And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, good morning. Um, it's already been a good morning together, worshiping and praying. I love it. Um, I just love the community that God is building here. And we even talked about that last week. We've kind of been going through these three things of moving towards God. And we talked about the prodigal son and how he's always there with open arms, waiting for us just to make a move towards him. And he meets us right there. His spirit's drawing us in. And last week we talked about moving towards community. Um, I've heard so many great things about small groups this week, community groups. I've uh, seen it in the lobbies. Like everybody, you know, we're growing in community. I love it. Um, And today we're going to be talking about moving towards purpose, as you guys heard. Um, And before we jump into that, I had a quick question for you. Uh, Do you guys know what this is? A fork. Thank you, Jeff. The only one who knows, this isn't a rhetorical question, knows me well enough to be like, no, it's it's a fork. Yes, this is a fork. What do we use it for? Eating. Brush our hair. See, you just ruined the illustration, Kelly. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, this, this is what it is. So last week we talked about how um, if your community doesn't have something, you don't have something. Like, you can't learn. And so, like, in The Little Mermaid, um, she finds a fork, and she doesn't know what it's for. Ariel swims to the surface, and she goes and scuttle. She asks Scuttle, the bird, she's like, what is this for? And he goes, it's a, what is it? And she, he says it's a dinglehopper, and it's for combing your hair. Straight, the humans use it to straighten out their hair, um, which is totally inaccurate. Um, but, but it makes me realize something that is broadly true. When we don't know something's purpose, we're a lot more likely to misuse it. When we don't know why something exists, we're, we're more likely to abuse it and use it for the wrong reason. And I think sometimes that happens with our lives. That broadly speaking, we might not fully understand the purpose and why God has created us and what he's created us to do and why we're here on this earth. So we go and we try to make it up on our own. It's a great experiment. We're going to figure it out. We're going to see what brings us joy. We're going to see what brings us pleasure. We're going, to, we're going to figure out what's successful, what's working for us. And we're going to try to figure out our purpose on our own. But I don't think it's meant to be like that. Because just like a fork or just like any other thing that's invented, if you want to know its purpose, you ask the person who created it. You go to the inventor, you go to the creator, and why did you make this? And so we turn to God and we say, God, why did you make me? None of us are here on accident. We're all created on purpose and for a purpose. But God, what have you created me to do? I want to look at mostly David. Um, If you're familiar with the Bible, David is a huge person in the Old Testament. He's a man after God's own heart. God raised him up as a king. And before that, he fought a lion. He fought a giant. And it's a really great story about how God used him. And I just want to look at a few little things from his life um, that I think will help us as, as we look at, God, what do you have for me? Because we all have an individual purpose, but broadly speaking, we're created for the same general reasons. We're created to glorify God to serve him, to love him, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, And so look at Acts chapter 13, verse 22. It says this, After removing Saul, that was the, the king right before David, he was bad. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Did you guys catch that? 
Like we know the phrase, David is a man after God's own heart. And in this moment, Paul, he's a church planner. He's in the New Testament. He's after Jesus. He's, he's starting churches. And right now in this moment, he's actually preaching to some people and he's kind of telling them the story of God. He's like, this is what's happened. And in the middle of it, he's like talking about David. And he's like, David was a man after God's own heart. And God knew that David would do what he asked him to do. I think we know, like we as followers of Jesus want to have hearts after God. Like I would love nothing more than God to, to think that way about me, that, that Dan is a man after my own heart. But with that comes the reality of me saying, God, I will do everything you want me to do. I'll do what you're asking me to do. Because sometimes I think we want, we, we want to be a person after God's own heart, but we're like, God, can you, can you actually just help me do everything I want to do? But really, if we want to be a person who, who has the heart of God, a heart turns towards him, we're saying, God, I'll do whatever you want. So later in the same message, this is what Paul says. He says, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Like, he served God's purpose in his own generation. And I think that's the first thing I want to point out, is that it's God's purpose. David didn't serve his purpose in his generation. He served God's purpose in his generation. And so I want to I look at a couple things. I have three main points, but before that, I have four other things. You know, if you've been around for a while, like, I don't do three points typically. I do, like, three and four or seven or, like, whatever. It's, it's just, it is what it is. And so God has a few things that he's done for us and he wants to do in us. It's God has placed you. He has put you where you are right now. He, he's determined when and where you would exist. In Acts chapter 17, it says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. That God has put you on this earth in this season. That it's not an accident. That it's like Esther. Esther realizing, maybe I was born for such a time as this. You were not supposed to be earlier or supposed to be later. This is the appointed time and place that God has for you. God also has plans specifically for you. Ephesians 2 says, We're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. That God's put you here in this place, in this season, for a specific purpose. He's made you unique. He's made you unique. You're wired different than the people around you. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full will. Psalm 139. And the last thing for this, this little intro message, the message before the message, is that God has gifted you. He's given you unique gifts. It's different than the people around you. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. That God, his spirit, gifts you in a unique way. And there's different kinds and there's different combinations. And it looks different in different personalities. And, you know, if you're uniquely and, and wonderfully made and you're wired specifically, you also have a unique backstory that, that the family he's put you in, and whether that was a healthy family or an unhealthy family, all of that has shaped you and made you who you are today. And he's gifted you to make a difference. It says there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in, in, in everyone, it is the same God at work. Do you see how repetitive that is? Like three verses in a row. He's like, everybody has different gifts, but it's the same spirit. 
Everybody serves differently, but it's the same God. Like, it's the same thing over and over. He wants you to get, like, we're all going to do it differently, but we're all gifted by the same God. And then in verse 7, it says, Each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. Your gifts are not for you. They're for the people around you. They're for the people around you. We talked about this last week when we talked about community, is that you can't love God perfectly on your own. Like you need people around you. You can't live out the one another's. You can't carry one another's burden, serve one another, build one another up. You can't do any of those things by yourself. And the same way God has gifted you to do those things. He's uniquely wired you. He's put gifts inside of you, passions inside of you for the common good, for the good of those around you. And so I want you to understand that as much as it's all different, it's still the same idea. My gifts are different than your gifts. What I'm called to might be different than what you're called to. But under the big umbrella, it's all from God and it's all for God. It's all to bless and serve the people around us. And so when we keep that in mind, that it's the common good, I think that sets us up for my, my main message now. That's the, the first message. It's, it's over. We wrapped it up. Now it's time for the main one. You're unique, but we're all in this together. We're all called to serve. So I want to talk about a few principles of purpose. And I think purpose is so important. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. You know, and that's Mark Twain. He's not like a theologian or anything. But I think there's some value to that is that like understanding why you're created matters. Just like understanding the purpose of a fork changes how you use a fork. If you understand, God, this is why and how you created me, it changes how you live. And so the first one is, I already mentioned it, is that it's God's purpose. That your purpose is not your own. That it's actually something God has for you. That if you want to live in your individual purpose, it's actually part of God's bigger purpose. And seeing yourself as part of that bigger story changes it. It's less about me and and what I want to achieve and what I want to do. And I see that, God, you're up to something. What have you called me to do as part of that? How am I partnering with you to see your name lifted up, to see your glory go on? And that's what David was doing. Psalm 57 verse 2 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fill his purpose in me. David's the one who wrote this psalm. You know, if you go back and and look at the actual narrative of David's life in the Old Testament um, that give these things context when we look at Psalms or Acts, you'll see that David was anointed king long before he actually became king. What that means is Samuel the prophet came and poured oil on his head and said, you're going to be the next king. But there was a long gap before that actually happened, before he stepped into God's purpose for him. And in the middle of that gap, the current king, Saul, wanted to kill him. And it's during that time period that David wrote this. I cry out to God most high, the God who will fulfill his purpose in me. That in this moment of praying protection and praying God, things don't look kind of like I would have expected them to based on what you've already done in my life and what you told me I'm going to do. I still know that you're going to fulfill your purpose through me. Because if you said it, you're going to do it. You're going to continue to work. David wasn't trying to find his purpose. He wasn't trying to craft together a statement or any of those things. And I'm not against that. I think that's great. Have values. Have all of those things. But he was just trying to live out what God had asked him to do. 
God's going to fulfill his purpose in me. If you don't know who created it, it's hard to know the intended purpose. The book of Ecclesiastes has been on my mind um, recently. I've been thinking about it a lot, and I just love Ecclesiastes. It's one of my favorite wisdom books, and it's just like the, the writer talks about how everything is vanity. He's like, it's all meaningless. The word he uses is hevel, and he's like, it's like a mist or a vapor or a smoke. It's like you can't truly grab it. He's like, if you, if you just look for pleasure, he's like, it, it's fleeting. It doesn't last. If you look for power and status, he's like, it's stressful, and you don't even know if you'll have anybody to pass it on to. And he goes through all of these different things that we try to find purpose in. And he's like, in the end, it doesn't satisfy. And it's kind of a discouraging book in the middle of it. You're like, oh, man, there's like no point to anything. (laughs) And then at the end of the book, the writer comes back and is like, what the teacher is trying to say is in the end, we just need to obey God. And trust him and enjoy the things that are in front of us when we can. And trust in the middle of the hard things. That we would just obey him and follow him. To fear God and to keep his commands. I think, I think the book of Ecclesiastes is good for us. In this time, in this day where, where we're drawn to create our own purpose or find our own meaning, that we're, we're drawn to be somebody who wants influence and power or drawn to be somebody driven by career or drawn to be somebody who just is filling life with pleasure, to realize none of that truly satisfies. So in the end, the best thing to do is say, God, why did you create me? I want to serve that purpose. If you want to find your purpose, you look at God's purpose, and secondly, you serve God's purpose. It sounds almost the same, but it's a little different. It's one thing to understand God has a purpose for you. It's another thing to serve that purpose. David wasn't pursuing his dream. In fact, when when Samuel first came to anoint him as king, David wasn't anywhere around. He's like looking at all the other brothers. They had better resumes. They looked better. They, they were stronger. They were bigger. All of that stuff. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. That's not, that's not who God has. He's like, surely there's somebody else. And he anoints David. David wasn't looking for that. He was out just doing what he knew to do. Tending sheep. Serving. He gets anointed. Still isn't king. He's just serving his brothers. They go to war. He doesn't go to war. He brings them a charcuterie board. You know? Like a lunchable. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, if you read the passage, it says he brings them meats and cheeses. You know, in, yeah, in our day, that's, that's a charcuterie board. But he goes and he's just serving. He's just constantly doing whatever is in front of him, trusting that, hey, if I'm faithful with what's in front of me, God's going to be faithful to accomplish his purposes through me. And I think sometimes we just want to push back and be like, but that's not good enough. But That's all anybody who makes a significant impact in the Bible does. That's all they ever do is say, God, here are my gifts. I'm going to be faithful with what you want me to do. And I'm going to trust that you'll faithfully fulfill your purpose through me. I'm just going to serve. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to follow after you. David served God's purpose. And if you want to serve God's purpose, you have to serve God's people. Because this is the same as the idea of community that we talked about last week. Is, is that like if it was just about loving God, when you made that decision to follow Jesus and you gave your life to him and it, his spirit did a work inside of you, you like practically speaking, like might as well just like laser beam up to heaven. Like, you know, you'd be done if it's just you and God only, but it's not. 
God wants you to work out your salvation, is the language of the New Testament. That he wants you to show the change that's happening in your life by changing the way you love others. That you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. That when you want to serve God, you, you serve the people around you. You lay down your life for them. In Psalm 78, it says, He chose his servant, David, calling him from the sheep pens, trusting that, that God will see you faithfully serving, and he'll call you to do what he's asking you to do. He took him from there and made him shepherd his people. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you've worked for him and how have you shown your love to him by caring for others, by caring for other believers as you still do. Let that sink in just for a minute. God's not unjust. He's fair. He's, he's a God of justice and he's not going to forget what you've done. He, and it says he's not going to forget how you've shown your love to him, but how do you show your love for him? By caring for other believers. That we love God by loving other people. We serve God by serving other people. I think it's hard to claim, like, I love God so much, and then you don't like anybody. <laughs> you know? If, you, if you're like, I love Jesus so much, but all I see is you don't like people and you don't do anything to serve people, it's like, I don't know, there's a disconnect there. Because it says, you'll know my, you're my disciples by your love. That something changes inside of you as you follow God. And you say, God, I want to serve others because if I understand what your scripture teaches, that, that when I serve the least of these, it's like serving you. It changes everything. That when I offer a cup of cold water, when I visit somebody who needs to be visited, that's like me doing it to you, Jesus. I don't need to thank you anymore. I'm not doing it for approval. I'm not doing it so people like me. I'm doing it for the Lord. And that's not to say, like, don't thank people. Like, thank people, you know? That's nice. People want to be thanked. But we're not doing it for those reasons. We're doing it to serve God, that we love God by loving others. We, we serve God by serving others. Um, I don't know. I've heard this conversation a lot of times for a lot of different sports. But, you know, it's like, who is the greatest of all time? And for me, I, like, think of basketball first because, you know, I have my argument ready, ready to go. Who I, who I think is the greatest of all time. But I'm curious, like, who would come to your mind as the greatest basketball player of all time? You're making, I hate basketball, that's fine. We'll be back to the scripture in like 35 seconds. But, um, you know, maybe you're like Bill Russell and you're like, Bill Russell, that's a hot take. Or you're like Kareem. I feel like most people, though, like, it boils down to like, well, are you, are you LeBron or are you Jordan? Like, you know, Kobe. Yeah, no, Kobe, Kobe's definitely in the running too. But, like, we have those arguments. We have those discussions. I've even heard those, like, as we're setting up and tearing down. Like, sometimes that's, like, what will come up. We'll be talking about that. Like, who, who is the greatest? Who's the best? And you argue about stats. You argue about rings. You argue about all of that. Well, the disciples are having an argument about, like, who's the greatest. And, in fact, like, they bring in their mom, which is, like, such a weird move. You know, in Mark, they don't. But in Matthew, Matthew makes sure to note, like, hey, they got their mom involved. And their mom comes, and she's like, can they sit at your right and left hand? My son's you know, in eternity. And Jesus is like, that's not for me to decide. That's for my father. But what he says next is, is really, really important. Look at this in Mark chapter 10. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John because they're like, guys, you're trying to get the better seat than us? They're mad. And Jesus called them together and said, 
All right, guys, huddle up. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. He's like, you guys see how the world works, right? Those with power enjoy their power. Those who are in charge, they use it. He's like, but that's not how it's going to be with you. In fact, one translation says, would it be different with you? I love that. And he says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is like, the argument of who's the greatest is a world argument. He's like, in the kingdom of God, it's backwards. It's upside down. He's like, you want to be the greatest, you have to be the least. You want to be first, you need to be last. He's like, if you want to be the greatest, you you serve. You serve. We have a pastor friend uh, who's made a, a big impact in our life, and he has a mission statement for his own life. And he says, the reason he exists is to serve others into greatness. He's like, I just exist to serve others into greatness. And what he means by that is like, I want to serve them into their calling. I want to serve them into their potential. I want to help them be who God has called them to be. And Jesus is like, hey guys, if you're followers of me, his disciples, he's like, this is what I did. This is what I'm doing. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to give up my life. And he's like, so if you're going to follow after me, this is the call. Live as servants. I think, I think this is something many of us who've been around church for a long time know. We're not like shocked. We're not like, wow, serve? Never heard that before. But I think it's something we quickly forget. I know I do sometimes. That we're, we're quick to to do it, we're inspired, the Spirit speaks something to us, and we, we serve, and then we kind of are just like back to normal, back to thinking about me, back to putting me first, back to, I can give out of the excess, but I don't have a lot, or, you know, whatever it looks like to help somebody around you and love them. And I think it's because we, our culture around us is it's inundated with just like, no, you need to make the right video or you need to make the right move or you need this on your resume or you need to do this by this age or you need all of these things. And we're very focused on having purpose, but we forget that we were created for a different purpose. We're quick to drift into the Ecclesiastes worldview. I'm going to pursue power, I'm going to pursue influence, I'm going to pursue career or finances. And those things aren't wrong in of themselves. They're just not the main reason you were created. You're created by God and for God. You're created for his purpose. And his purpose involves serving, laying your life down, following after Jesus, putting others ahead of yourself. I think sometimes we, we get very action-oriented and we make goals, and I think those are good. I'm all about it. Like, if you're curious, like, I, I'm type A, I have lists, I have goals, I have all those things, but, but they have to serve the greater purpose of God using me to serve others, to make it a difference, to be used by him, that, that my purpose is part of his bigger purpose. 
It's not for me. It's not about me. We've seen this modeled in, in people around us and, you know, I've had people in my life that I, that I really look up to and what strikes me most when I hear people speak about them and, you know, we, we were at a funeral recently and whenever I'm at a funeral of somebody who's really lo- well-loved, I, I think about what mattered most to the people around them. Like, what are the things that they're saying positively? And even at the service we were at yesterday for, for a family member, what they loved about him was the way he loved other people. They, like, acknowledged the, the, like, achievements he had and, you know, all of those different things that were mentioned. But they would talk about, you know, when he did this for me. He consistently showed up in this person's life or he was always, you know, and fill in the blank. He just was a person who served. He loved others really well. And that's what, that's what people remember. That's what God created us for. Is that we should love and serve people so well that they see Jesus. Because I think that's where the transition happens is like you're willing to serve somebody to an extent because as long as it benefits me a little bit or whatever, but when you serve to the point where it costs you something, it starts to look a lot more like Jesus. That Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve, to lay his life down. And I think all of us could grow a little bit in that. Whether we're very self-focused and we just need to take that first step or, or we do live a life of service, I think there's still room to grow. I think there's room for our next step in saying, God, God, what would you have me to do in this season? You've created me for such a time as this that I'm not here on accident. You've uniquely wired and gifted me in the way I serve somebody and the way they serve somebody might be different. But what do you have for me? What do you want me to do to participate in your bigger story? Maybe it's picking up groceries for your neighbor. Maybe it's mowing somebody's lawn. You know they had a crazy week and you're like, I know they're not going to get to it. I'm just going to go do it for them. Or, or maybe it's watching somebody's kid or praying for somebody. Maybe, maybe it's serving at church. You know, the reason we do what we do is because we know it makes a real difference. Like, ultimately, I'm doing it because I feel like God asked me to do it and God asked Abigail to it and, like, he called us to it. But that's, like, our purpose and his bigger purpose is that it's changing lives. Like, people have given their life to Jesus. Their eternity is changed. Not just their today, not just their tomorrow, like, forever. Just because we said yes and just because we served. Just because I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning to pull the trailer. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not glamorous. That's not like, and I'm not doing that for anything other than like, I hope somebody is ministered to by God's spirit today. Like, I'm just willing to do whatever it takes for God to use me, for people to see him. And I'm just like, what would change if we all did that a little more? Just like use your creative imagination. That's part of the image of God inside of you. God is creator. He's creative. And he's put that inside of you. Just use your imagination for a minute. How would your circle of influence change if you were just focused a little bit more outward? You loved people a little bit more sacrificially. You showed up for them when they needed it. You gave. You loved. I think, I think 
our community, like not, not like the community out there, but like our community, the people in, in relationship to all of us, I think they would notice. I think the world would look a little different. I think as we model Christ-like service, it, it draws people to God. I think sometimes, you know, it's one of the biggest barriers to people coming to faith is they think Christians don't look like Jesus. And none of us are perfect, and we're quick to acknowledge that, and we should acknowledge that. But I think, I think we should be growing in it. I think we should look a little more like him. I think we should, the world should say, yeah, maybe, maybe some Christians, but, but my one coworker, they actually do care. They like really, when they ask how I'm doing, like I can tell they actually care. They, they knew that, that I had a hard weekend and something happened in my family and they showed up with coffee on Monday. Like, you know what I mean? The little stuff, like just loving the people around you. I think God can do more than we would expect if we just loved a lot of people in little ways. If we just were willing to serve. You know, David was an example, and that's kind of whose life we looked at, that he was just being faithful and God kept using him. But Jesus is the ultimate example, right? He was just serving constantly, praying for people. And he would retreat to be alone with his father, with God. But then he'd come back out and serve and pour out and teach and do whatever he could just to love people. And none of us are Jesus, but we're called to do what Jesus did. And so what does that look like for you? how you're uniquely wired, how you're uniquely gifted, where he's uniquely placed you. What does it look like to serve the community around you? Because we're created on purpose and for a purpose. But it's not for our glory, it's for his. And I want to be a man after God's own heart like David. And so he served God's purpose. God, would you help us? We are reminded of the way you've loved and served and sacrificed for us. God, would you make us more like that? We can't muster up the strength to do it on our own. We might be able to knuckle down and and do it a little bit. But God, we ask that you would do something deeper than that. That you would help us to be more servant-minded. That we would think of others before ourselves. That we would have that humility to lay down our lives and love and serve. God, that we'd step into the purpose that you created us to show your glory to those around us, to glorify you, to live according to your purposes. That Ecclesiastes said, God, that we would fear you and keep your commands. We love you, Lord. Would we become more like you as you continue to change us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com. We hope you have a great week.